Welcome to another edition of Masks, Mats, and Mayhem. This is uh, the MMM show number one addendum. Um, this is just a little bit of an add-on to the show that I thought I'd do, and, and hopefully as we move forward, we can do a little bit of Q&A, answering questions, or just talking about extra topics that come out of the weekly show. The regular weekly show will probably be up at the end of the week every week, and i uh, got some things planned for the show later this week. But this is just to answer a couple of questions that were out there um, that I got from a few people, and probably also won't be as long as the regular show, but... Uh, I'll talk about a few things today, including probably WrestleMania, a little bit of UFC stuff. Um, so without further ado, let me get into it with this. Uh, you know, I explained on the last show kind of where my love of Lucha Underground came from, and, and that seemed to make a lot of sense to a lot of people, and a lot of people that listened were, of course, Lucha believers, and, you know, thank you for all those folks who listened to the first one. Um so, but I got a question from a friend of mine uh, that I didn't really explain MMA or my love of MMA. And some of the people who know me will know that uh, I work in reality television and I've worked on a lot of different shows. When I first started out, I was uh, an audio guy and I worked on a show called Tap Out, which was the guys who created the Tap Out brand. And they would travel around the country from uh, gym to gym kind of meeting fighters and then they would sponsor a fighter and kind of put their clothes on them or whatever and then go and watch one of their fights. Unlike the Ultimate Fighter, it wasn't a competition show where you were trying to win any prize. It was just to kind of expose guys. And there was a lot of great guys on there. There was like Cowboy Cerrone was on there. Johnny Hendricks was on there. John Dodson was on that show. Uh, Julie Kedzie, who's now the main booker over at uh, Invicta. Like a lot of a lot of uh, great, great fighters were on that show. Uh, and I also did a little bit of a run on uh, Ultimate Fighter, just doing some of their fight package stuff. And, um, you know, and that was mostly as an audio guy, though, on Tap Out, I did do a lot of story notes and, and worked with the producers on that. And then after that show, I kind of moved into producing myself. But during that show, um, I met, you know, the guys, uh, Scrape, Punk Ass, or Dan Caldwell, and and Charles Mask Lewis. And... Mask was probably one of the most influential people uh, I've met in my whole life. Just a really great individual. And you'll notice if you watch the UFC, his name is above the cage door. I always like to say there's only one guy you have to get past to get into the, the cage every time, and that's, that's Mask. And, you know, he really left uh, a mark on the sport that many people might not even know about or realize. Uh, he did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And... As an audio guy back then, I was able to hear all of his conversations all the time. And I'm, I'm not going to share any of his private stuff, but I will say that during that point in time, I got an inside look at the business of MMA while it was growing that um, very few people will, will ever totally be able to comprehend. And just everything that, that him and Dan and those guys were doing was just amazing. And it was an inspiration too. And in the way that he cared about the fighters and the way that he really got to who they really were as people and what they were about and why they were doing this thing. And it wasn't about wins and losses to him or, or even greatness on an achievement level inside the cage, but it was really about who they were as people and why it's important for them to fight, what it meant to them and what it meant to him too. And, you know, those guys really, they made themselves from the ground up selling t-shirts out of the trunk of their car and all that stuff's legit. Those stories are legit and they were, 
definitely new money, you know, they, they made their own way in the world. And it was really inspiring to kind of be there to, to be a part of it, even for a short period of time. And even if it was peripherally, just seeing that was a huge inspiration. And Charles also really pushed me forward into being a TV producer. So, um, you know, from meeting all those great fighters then and, you know, meeting the, the, the Chuck Liddell's of the world and, and those guys at the at a time when MMA was really coming up, it, it just left a lasting impact on my life. And so uh, even though I was a fan of MMA from the very first UFC, you know, I didn't watch the first UFC on pay-per-view. I watched it probably two or three months later on a videotape. But um, they, they've been with me, and it's amazing to me uh, to see a full-fledged sport develop in our lifetime. I feel like for Gen Xers especially, it is a sport that we we own to a certain extent. We take ownership of it. We're the ones that put all the money into the sport. We're the ones that loved it from the beginning. Um, and it answered a lot of questions for people, those age-old, like, who wins between Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris kind of debates or this style and that style. Those early UFCs were really about that and, and proving that. And that was something that I feel like my generation always wanted to see. We grew up on those kung fu movies and all that cool stuff. And it was really great to see a sport that, that went into that. And then it developed over time. There became more rules and it, and it became more sanctioned and less of a tough guy competition and less of if a biker rally brawler like Tank Abbott's going to beat some, you know, jujitsu guy or whatever. And, um, that's really where my love for for MMA came from. Uh, it started in the early days and it really progressed. And then after working on the Tap Out show, I'll just the sport will always be probably my favorite sport. I'll never uh, I'll never turn my back on MMA. I support a lot of the fighters, uh, you know, and and I just think it's it, it's a great sport the way it's developed. It still needs some work. To, uh, the scoring system these days, I think. I think a lot of us MMA fans have questions about if there's something better than that. But at the same time, I, I have to understand that, look, this is how we got the sport to be legalized in, in every state now, including New York. And it's it, it's been worth it so far. You know, we might we might as fans want to see some tweaks, but I hope that fans still acknowledge that what the sport has had to go through to get to where it is today um, was worth it for us to get the fights that we get nowadays and to have the competition that is out there and the level of competition where now it's not about seeing two different kinds of martial arts compete. It's about seeing people who are well-rounded in all of these martial arts compete. And, uh, and that's what I really love about sports. So, um, with my time on tap out, you know, that, uh, that really influenced me a lot. That being said, um, <laughs> I had another friend who asked me a little bit about the sound quality in my first episode, being that I actually have a degree in audio engineering. Uh, he kind of razzed me about like, dude, why is the sound in the first half of your podcast so crappy? Well, I own a lot of professional recording equipment and the first half of my first podcast, I used absolutely none of it. I was just kind of testing out some ideas. I went straight into my iPhone. I did it in a really echoey, bad room. Um, and then the phone rang in the middle of it, and I switched to a better setup for the second half of it, obviously, which you can kind of hear the shift in the sound quality. But uh, it was funny. So that question I will address. Yes, I have a degree in audio engineering, and I used none of my ability. But I really liked uh, kind of where I went with the direction of that first one. And uh, sometimes the the quality of the content is more important than the actual physical quality, I thought. So I just went with it and I said, hey, I'll put this out there and see what people think and uh, moved on with my life. Um, 
The uh, other question I got was, who's your favorite fighter and who's your favorite wrestler? And I'm not going to go into all time because there's just too many that uh, at one point or another on, on both ends of the spectrum I've really loved. But I'm going to say fighter-wise right now, I'm really loving Tony El Kukui Ferguson. Um, as a fighter, I just think he's somebody that has surprised me a lot in the way that he's put stuff together where he, you know, uh, first time I, I saw him was, you know, I met him during the ultimate fighter finale that, uh, he was in. I didn't even think he was going to necessarily win that one. And he was really a boxing kind of guy, very into his hands. He had some wrestling, but it was, it was more defensive wrestling at the time, I think. But his hands were amazing, and he could work a speed bag, and, and he really looked like a, a trained boxer at the time. But to see where he is now, where he's throwing out these chokes, and his jujitsu game is sick from the, the stuff he's been learning with 10th Planet guys, and just the fact that he, you know, he's moved around camps, and he's like really actively out there seeking the knowledge of how to be an overall well-rounded mixed martial artist, I find to be amazing. I think uh, Tony Ferguson... I hope that he continues the upward momentum. I know he's got some tough challenges ahead of him. You know, he worked and fought hard to get to the top of the division, but it is a murderer's row at the top of the lightweight division. And there's just, there's not an easy match left in Tony's career at this point. So um, I won't be disappointed if he loses a match because I believe that it's going to be uh, a fight worth watching anytime Tony steps in the ring. So I would say that right now he's one of my favorites. John Jones has, has been a longtime favorite of mine as well for many reasons. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, you know, as far as the female fighters go, uh, I'm from Cleveland, so I love Jessica I and I love Steve Miocic, you know. Clevelanders, we we always want to see the gold come home. Uh, I think those two both have good chances. Obviously, Stepe's is a little closer, and I thought Jess was right on the verge of of maybe getting a fight with Ronda until she ran into Misha Tate, and she I think she was putting work in on Misha Tate too, and Misha just grinded it out on her. There's something about Misha Tate. Please, 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 anyone who fights Misha Tate, do not count her out at any point in time. She has proven time and time again that she will take you deep, and then she will find a way. Um, that is just her nature. She is one of those fighters that just does not have quit in her anywhere, um, and it's amazing to watch. And, you know, I was really, really disappointed when when Jessica I was on the other end of that. But it happens, and hopefully, uh, I think we're going to see Jess back in the ring soon. Um so the the other questions I got, uh, I got a little bit of Lucha stuff, questions from people, really about what I thought. Uh, I talked a little bit about Taya last week and, and what I was thinking of the women in Lucha Underground. And after watching uh, some WrestleMania, you know, and some WWE product recently, you know, I still have to say that the women in Lucha Underground... Um, there's a connection with their characters and what they're doing with them. I think that is stronger in a lot of ways. They're not an afterthought. They're as much a part of the storyline and the, the mid top level of the card as anyone, you know, to, to them even getting title shots from time to time. And it just speaks volumes to me about the progressiveness of Lucha underground 
And I don't want to compare Lucha to WWE, and I, and I won't do that very often in general because I just it, it's it's apples and oranges in a lot of ways. It's like comparing a game show to you know a network police drama. They're just different things. They both have their place, and there's nothing that says you know some show like The Voice isn't going to get as high ratings as some show like The Walking Dead. But putting them in the same sentence is silly and i almost feel that way about lucha underground and wwe they're just different products um but the the women's matches in lucha underground have been really amazing and the fact that they're not even women's matches they're just whoever the next opponent is whoever the feud that makes sense is whatever the storyline that makes sense is that's who they're going to compete with and against uh and I'm really excited this week. We're going to get to see Ivelisse versus uh, Cobra Moon. And that's going to be, I think, a good match. Uh, I was not at that taping, so I have no clue what's going to happen. It'll be uh, totally real time when I'm reacting to it. I have no idea what the outcome is. I have no idea where that storyline's going or if it's going anywhere, if it's just a one-off match. Um, but I'm really excited to see what those two can bring in a match with each other. And hopefully it gets uh, some nice TV time to play out. Uh, very much looking forward to that. Um, I got a question too of why Lucha and and UFC, and that's again, like I've said, my two favorite things. Um, and I will talk a little bit of WWE today, but the reason why WWE is not a part of the regular lineup is because it's just it's something I don't normally watch a lot of. Like I'll tune in, I keep a, a, a rest of what the storylines are and whatnot, and I have great appreciation and respect for all the workers in there uh you know if i down on the product believe me it's not the guys that are in there doing the work um even as is flat as the roman reigns thing even was i don't begrudge roman at all i thought that his work rate and, and some of the stuff he was doing was actually very good i just don't like some of the gimmicks that he's been saddled with or some of the storylines um so that being said, this I'll take the opportunity to talk a little bit about WrestleMania right now because I did watch it. I also watched uh, NXT TakeOver, which I thought was amazing. Um, WrestleMania was really flat to me. Uh, it wasn't that the, it wasn't enjoyable. There were certain things about it, but for it to be the flagship product of your year and like anyone else, uh, and the UFC has experienced this too, you can't always have all your superstars healthy at the right times. The storylines don't always play out when you want them to play out. It just felt like things didn't line up very well for WWE for WrestleMania this year. The storylines just weren't ready to be on that grand stage yet. And because of that, you know, they were kind of forced, man, I wouldn't even say forced, but they made the choice to kind of downplay a lot of their scenarios um you know and they they chose not to hot shot anything too much but uh you know i just felt like without getting into too many specifics because there's a million podcasts out there that are going to talk about and a million articles and everyone said a lot of what there is to be said about it but i i just felt like they missed a few opportunities so instead of talking about what they hit i'm just going to say that you know I felt like the thing they could have done with Roman Reigns last night was a heel turn. Um, the match aside, you know, those guys, they worked, they got in there, they did their thing. But at the same time, it's like you wanted a bigger moment there. You wanted something else to come out of it. Even the finishes of like the ladder match and 
Uh, the women's match finish wasn't terrible. I didn't like the booking of it. I, I really thought Sasha should have walked away with it. But at the same time, how it played out didn't feel flat at the end. Um, but the rest of the matches, really just the endings felt flat. It felt like they weren't putting over any of the new guys very much. Uh, Jericho and AJ Styles just broke my heart to a certain extent because I, I really have been at times huge fans of both those guys. I would have loved to have seen that match five, seven years ago. Um, and getting it now felt like such an afterthought with nothing at stake. Um, and then not even letting AJ go over in his first WrestleMania. Like I could understand AJ not going over if a bunch of other, you know, baby faces were going over, but they really weren't. <laughs> and there weren't a whole lot of matches where people saw what they wanted to see. Um, so I didn't really get that. Uh, I liked some of the appearances. I mean, Rock and Cena showing up was is cool. I loved seeing DDP show up. That was uh, warmed my heart. And you can tell what age bracket I'm in just from saying that because, you know, he was an old timer when he started <laughs> and I was young. So he's clearly an old guy now, but didn't look bad. And Shawn Michaels uh, looked like he could go for another run tomorrow uh which was surprising I, who knows what his body's doing underneath the exterior but uh at least presentation wise he looked like he was in, in a good place which was was nice to see it's always nice to see those guys that can still at least get up and take a bow or do a run in or do something uh later in their career and just still be a part of the business that they gave so much to um so anyway on a scale of one to ten I'm going to give WrestleMania a four and uh, maybe a five, but really right in the middle, middling show, really long, not a lot of finishes that made the crowd happy. Uh, NXT TakeOver, however, I'll give that a seven. Uh, I thought that it, it was really impressive. I mean, the thing that you missed there in NXT and it's because of the style of program that they're doing is some storylines. Um, it's like you're going from WWE main brand where, where everything is storyline driven to the point where the matches are, you know, pointless. And then you're going to NXT where it's all just amazing work and work rate and you don't have a ton of storyline driving it. Um, I really hope the overall WWE product finds some middle ground there and uh, then maybe I'll come back. But until then, it's going to be me and Lucha Underground and some UFC because there's exciting things happening in UFC. Um, I'm going to move back to UFC right now too because there's been a couple of interesting little developments. First is a small one. Uh, Juliana Pena has gotten out of her troubles with the law um, stemming from, I believe, a, a spill out from a, a fight that happened in a bar or something to that extent. But uh, I just thought it was very funny that she volunteered to uh, do do some some therapy or something because of conduct unbecoming of a fighter. But the conduct was fighting, so I just I found it very humorous and funny. But good luck to her getting back into the cage and taking her aggression out where it should be taken out, which is on her opponents and not on uh, bystanders in the street that obviously would not be able to defend themselves against a world-class fighter like that. Um, and back to my favorite topic in the past week and everybody's favorite topic that's talking about MMA, John Bon Jones. Um, 
oh my goodness, what a roller coaster ride this guy has been on. First, he was uh, he was in jail, I believe, when I did my podcast last week. Then he got out of jail, and it looked like everything was good for the fight. Then we find out that Daniel Cormier, our our new heel, Daniel Cormier, uh, is pulling out of the match with a boo boo. He's got uh, some kind of leg issue, and people did see him a week ago limping around, so it's probably legit to a certain extent. Though I have to say, I find it a little suspicious that he's going to be uh, ready in four weeks, but not ready enough to fight on the 23rd. So, I don't know. I hope DC is is okay, and I hope his leg gets better, um, and... I hope that this is really just a case of he just really knows he needs to be 100% to to compete with John Jones and it's not some other shenanigans. But that being said, uh, John Jones then came out in the media and said that he would step up and fight anyone. He felt like he owed it to his fans, which I think is commendable because he does. Um, we want to see John fight anyway, even if it's not DC. I personally do. And I love the opponent they came up with. Everyone said Rumble, but Rumble had some dental issues going on. And, you know, they said Glover, but Glover's already got a fight. And, you know, it went down the the list of top 10 contenders till it got to OSP. And I think this is a good fight. First of all, uh, John has fought these other guys. You know, he, he's fought, uh, he fought Glover and he fought... Uh, Rashad, that was another fight that they were talking about. It's like, I don't, I don't really want to see that fight yet. Maybe, but I think OSP is a guy that A, has stepped up on short notice before and can and can perform like that. He's a, he's a world-class athlete and he stays in relatively decent shape. And I believe uh, he's even walking around probably at the same as what John is walking around at right now. So the weight cut shouldn't be a problem for him. He should be able to get in there. Given he's not going to have the strategic amount of planning time that anyone should have to fight John Jones, uh, I would recommend six months of pure planning for John Jones if you could. But, you know, smart for him to take the fight now because he is a little bit lower down in the rankings. But I believe that this is a fight that would have happened eventually anyway. I believe within a year, we probably. Or, or, or maybe a year and a half. We would have seen John Jones versus OSP anyway if John uh, wins back the belt. Because I think OSP was steadily moving his way up. He is probably one fight away from being right there in the top five anyway. And again, he's a new fight for John. And I think that at some point, you know, the UFC does that. They'll throw in a five, a seven, or, you know, four, as opposed to one of the top-ranked guys when the top-ranked guys are already guys who have had the fight. Obviously, we want to see the Rumble fight at some point. Everybody still wants to see that fight. I think that fight will happen too. Um, but I think that OSP was going to be, you know, I think John would have fought Daniel, then he would have fought Rumble, then he probably would have fought OSP anyway. So I think this is a great fight. Um, I don't necessarily give OSP a great chance of winning. I think we'll, he'll have to put in some serious work. And he has a puncher's chance like anyone else. He has good hands up top. He's got good stuff from the left side. So we'll see if he can throw throw a left down the pipe and, and light John up. Or maybe if John has got some ring rust or he's not everything that we all think that he is, maybe OSP does have a, a really good chance. Um, I'm sure the odds are going to be strongly in John's favor. So if you feel like OSP has a chance, you might want to put that money down because that might turn into some big money for you if he actually does pull it off. Um, but I like the fight. Um, I'm actually looking forward to it. Obviously not as excited as, as seeing the fight with DC. 
um, especially with a heel DC, as I like to call him now, because uh, he is really, whether he likes it or not, he's going to be in that, that heel zone, especially with the fact that this fight is now for another interim title. Um, I like that the UFC is putting an interim title into play here. A lot of other people are probably going to poo-poo that. They don't really like that idea, but and they think it's just a fake belt or whatever. But I think that what it does is it brings the storyline to a new level. John came out with one of his old belts last time, claiming to still be the champ anyway. I think this will legitimize that more. It'll put some gold back on his belt. It'll let us all know that officially this is a disputed title. Daniel Cormier can no longer walk around saying he's the undisputed champ of anything because he's not. There is a dispute. The dispute is the fact that John Jones never lost that belt in the ring. Daniel Cormier lost to John Jones for that belt. And then Daniel came and got that belt when John Jones was stripped of that belt. So I feel like there has always been a dispute and, and they should have never been calling Daniel the undisputed champion in the first place. This belt is not necessarily a belt in the fact that it will have prestige, but it is the golden ticket. It assures us as fans that we will either see a unification or one of these two guys will have to drop it for real and say, okay, I am no longer the champ and they will have to give it up. So let's see a belt on DC. Let's see a belt on John Jones. And then let's get the fight that unifies the belts. This is like boxing, two guys working their way up at separate times. And then they come together and finally face off. And then we have one real champion and the dispute will go away. But I feel like this is a good thing because with the rankings, the rankings are kind of arbitrary sometimes. And, and as fans, we don't necessarily know where these rankings are coming from or who's coming up with them or how these things are getting made. But, you know, somebody could be the number one contender and then they don't get the fight like Misha. Misha was the number one contender again forever. But, you know, if Ronda had stepped aside for a while and Misha had an interim belt back in those days, then there would have been... Sh- it would have been undeniable to give her a shot. But just when you're sitting around as the number one or even number two contender, you know, Uriah sat around as number one and number two forever, but he'd already been to in the, the championship fight. So there's no reason to put him back. When you bring that interim belt in, the good thing about it is it says that not only is that person the number one contender, but they have to unify those belts. They can't leave two belts out there forever, especially if both of those fighters are active the interim belts are good for the fans because it ensures us that we will get a result. Now, sometimes that result may not be what you're thinking. It may not be the fight, which I'm predicting now is probably what's going to happen with Conor McGregor. Um, I think that, that Jose and Frankie will fight and I believe that Frankie will win. And then I believe that Conor will probably not fight Frankie. Um, I don't know if there's enough money in it for him to fight Frankie, and I don't know if he ever wants that fight or if it's worth it for him. Uh, regardless of what other shenanigans he's playing out, I love the fact that that fight is for an interim belt. As I said last week, I don't love the fact that it's on the same card that Connor's fighting on because that kind of goes against the principle of, of there being two active fighters at the same time fighting. I mean, it's right there on the same card. It's a little bit of a slap in the face to the fans. Um, but at the same time, we're getting a great fight with, with Connor and Nate. So it's hard to complain about it. But with, with that interim belt, I think the scenario might be that they may have to turn that into the real belt if 
Connor drops his belt. But that's the other thing that you get. You get the the guys that deserved it, namely being Frankie Edgar in this case, and not even Jose, but the guy that deserves it, Frankie Edgar, one way or another, will get his chance to be champion. Either Connor's going to drop the belt, you know, and and let Frankie's interim title or whoever wins it, but I'm thinking it's going to be Frankie, turn into a real belt, or that guy has to come back down finally, drop the weight again, which I know he doesn't want to do, and fight Frankie and finally unify that belt and put put everything to rest. One way or another, um, by the end of the year, you'll have a real featherweight champion again, and I think that everybody involved, at least on a business standpoint, will have had their chance to say their piece about it, um, and I think the interim title is going to allow that to happen. So I am for the interim belts. I know a lot of people hate them. They think they're they're paper champions when they have those belts or they're fake champions or whatever. Um, I think it legitimizes the whole thing. I liked it when they did it with Connor last year. I like them doing it with John Jones right now. Uh, plus, it gives those guys incentive to fight their asses off for us. I mean, do you think that that OSP is not going to see that as his big opportunity? I think that OSP is going to bring something extra to that fight. If it was just a tune-up fight for John Jones with no interim belt on the line, I don't think you'd get the same out of either of them. I think you're going to get a level of fire out of those guys that means something. Same with Frankie and Jose. Frankie knows he needs that interim title to get what he wants. And that's what you're going to see. Connor knew it when he fought Chad Mendez. And I think you saw a better Connor because of it. Connor gutted it out after getting uh, taken down a couple times. And he didn't get tapped out in that fight. He fought his way back. And, and he put it on Mendez and in a way that a lot of people didn't think he was going to do. A lot of people thought that was his weakness, that was his kryptonite, and that was going to be the end of him. It wasn't, and I think that the, the interim title, the interim strap being there has a lot to do with it. So that's it for me for this quick little addendum. Um, I'll be back later in the week with a real show and hopefully a, a cool guest for you guys to help out with the show and try some different things. And just know that I'm going to keep working on coming up with some new ideas and some fun, fresh stuff. And if you're listening to this, I appreciate you. So stay calm and stay in the mix. Until next time.